all about kicking back, relaxing, and enjoying the show. Take the time out of your day to listen to new music and the new sound of radio. Tune in every day, all day, for the greatest hits, latest news, and community events that you can be a part of. MoncoRadio.com, where music and minds meet. Hi everybody, it's Gene Simmons. You're listening to The Kiss Room on Monco Radio, but you knew that. Man, oh man, you never know. You never know exactly what you're going to get. We show up here, we know it's going to be good. But I'll tell you something. Maybe y'all feeling a little good that it's Friday night. Is that what it is? Y'all made it through another week of work. Or maybe some of you are just off for the summer having a good time. You deserve to have a good time. You work all damn year. You wanted the best and you got it. Fine's band in the land. Army, you wanted the best and you got it. I am Matt Porter and we are broadcasting directly to you, not from the Monco Radio Studio because obviously we can't get in. So I am poolside here at the luxurious Kiss Room Mansion. It looks a lot like, you know, what you'd expect if you watch Kiss Exposed. Theater of the mind, people, theater of the mind. I have a jam-packed show for you today. And I'm going to lead it off with a birthday tribute to Eric Carr. I put up a poll in the Kiss Room Facebook group, and these were the songs that you picked as your favorite. Thanks to everybody who voted. If you didn't vote, you got to check out the Kiss Room Facebook group. Eric Carr, happy birthday. You're in the Kiss Room on Mako Radio, where music and minds meet.
Kiss Army, you're in the Kiss Room, and right now I'm joined by someone that you all know, talented, super musician, part of the Kiss Room house band, Frank Galanti. Welcome to the Kiss Room. Hey, Matt. Glad to be here. You know, it's funny. I, I think of you guys all the time because there's nothing more fun than being in the studio with everybody and doing the show and everybody's just talking and laughing and having the best time ever. And man, did that go away in a hurry. Right. You, you know, the funny thing is, uh, you know, doing the intros to the songs uh, while we're in quarantine, I sound so serious. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, every everyone I play for, like, my God, you sound so serious. And I can't even, you know, a couple uh, intros, I tried to be funny, but it's still, it's just, when you're not in a studio, it's hard to, you know. Doing it like this is, it's just totally different doing it like this. And it's funny because the, uh, you know, I think some of the spontaneous nature of, you know, just having everybody in the room at once, we're losing that. But but look, a lot of time, I don't have a chance to just sit and chat with you. So this is kind of nice. I think, uh, you know, obviously everybody in the that listens to the Kiss Room knows you. I mean, it was funny. I was thinking of that the other day was I met you. It was at the Keswick Tavern. Because it was the Ace Show at the Keswick Theater, and that's November 26, 2014. And I remember everybody being, it was the night before Thanksgiving, uh, it was snowing, but the that tavern was packed with people. I was thinking, I remember hanging out even with Alex Richter, who I miss him to death. I mean, obviously, he's somebody who was there, and there was so many cool people. And I remember you coming over and starting to talk to me. Now, how, how had you discovered the Kiss Room at that point? That's a good question. I guess just, you know, on Facebook and um I don't know if one of my friends were already a member of the Kiss Room or not, but, um, you know, I just became a member of the Kiss Room and I saw that you were going to Asia show. So then when I saw you at the Keswick Tavern, I'm like, I got to introduce myself. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I really remember, you know, I remember seeing you and Marcy and thinking, well, there's the two coolest people in the room. And then when you come over and talk to me, I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's crazy. This guy knows who I am. It was really, it was really kind of a thrill. And then, uh, you know, it was great. You came in to the Kiss Room and played really, I think the first live music ever in the Kiss Room. And, and really it started the whole thing that you know led to rock and roll over and grew into the kiss room house band and i've always been you know super appreciative of, of all the work that you do for the kiss room along with such a talented group of guys it really is is amazing right it's it, it's been fun yeah that, that first time uh you know jim zagel was there and uh we played a few songs and i'll never forget i guess like a, a month or two later uh you know i would uh rock and roll over uh I guess with a different guitar player was there. And, uh, you know, I texted Jim and I said, there's this other band on the kiss room, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, and then a couple of months later, you know, the rest is history. Exactly. And, you know, we've always had so much fun. I mean, it's funny though, cause we really knew never get to really chat. So like, talk about how did you discover kiss? You know, what were your, what's your history? Well, it's funny. Uh, I'm the oldest, um, of my, my brothers and uh but my brother tony he's a year younger than me and he got he got me into all the cool music um alice cooper kiss yes uh i think even van halen but yeah i mean that's when i, when I was young you know obviously kiss I th I mean, it was probably destroyer 
was the first album I got. And then, uh, you know, I mean, that was the right, right then. It's like, because once you got Destroyer, you know, and Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, but the originals, you know, uh, three CD or not CD. Huh? That was a long time <laughs> right. after that. The three, L, three LP set with the cool booklet. That was awesome. And, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Um, you know, the uh, uh, Double Platinum. Right. The Live, Live 2, the solo albums. Like, you know, I think I had a paper route. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I spent all my money on Kiss albums. When you think of that time, right, when you think about, like, uh, that era, 75, 76, 77, and they're putting out albums, like, so fast, and there was just always something, and there was a, a really cool thread going on in the Kiss Room where, like, what were some of your favorite magazines? And think about that. You'd go to the store, and there might be those really great glossy magazines, or there'd be, like, that kind of crazy magazine with just a little tiny picture of them, but it was it seemed to be everywhere, you know, and, and the, the trading cards and all that kind of stuff it was really a fun time to be a fan yeah i have i have all that stuff you know cream magazines circus magazines there's a real uh, cool uh documentary coming out soon i think uh cream magazine right a movie about cream magazine that looks fantastic i mean obviously that could be a lot of fun and i hope uh hope it's available to see you know i've seen the preview on online um, so thinking about in your mind, so what was the, you, the first one you picked up was destroyer, did you say? Yeah. So destroyer. And then think about at that age then. So you start picking up all the albums. If you had to go back in your mind, then what's your favorite album? Can you pick one? As, as, as a whole, I, I definitely would say destroyer. I mean, the first, from the first album to, uh, love gun is just, you know, there's not a bad song in the bunch. Yeah. You know? Right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and I, basically up until, I mean, even when, when um, Dynasty came out and everybody was like, that's disco. I was like, no, it's not. You know? <laughs> right. Right. And, he, and even, you know, Unmasked, it was definitely a little poppy and different. But, you know, I didn't lose. I didn't really fall off the Kiss Wagon until The Elder. And I don't know if it was the song... Or, or the video, but just, you know, seeing Gene cry at the end of uh, <laughs> World Without Heroes, I'm just like, uh, it was time for me to get off the bus. You know, you know what? I, I can remember getting that album at the Richland Mall and the idea that, you know, you're looking at that album and there's not a picture of the band anywhere in sight. And I don't know, but I, I never stopped. And it was funny when you think about that, like Kiss on Solid Gold of all things, like, you know, and uh, which at the time was there was all those hot girls in spandex, which wasn't really a bad thing. So it was uh, and there was Kiss. Right. But, you know, now, you know, all these years later, I can appreciate the album. Uh, the cool thing was uh, the one time me and Marcy went to Vegas and we went to the Kiss mini golf. And it's funny because, you know, we started the first hole. And the elder started playing, and we basically played a whole round of golf to the whole elder out. Wow, it was kind of cool. <laughs> I would like to go to that monster mini golf. My brother's been there. I know a lot of people have been there. I've never been there. I would love to do that um, someday. Who knows? But at, now, obviously, everybody that listens to the Kiss Room, they know you as a super talented musician. When do you pick up a guitar? Uh, how was? Let's see. I was probably around, you know, I, I think I took a couple lessons um, 
before I was 16, uh, probably like from a nun in Catholic school. <laughs> and, and it just got me like, I, I turned off, I guess. But I think when I was like 16, uh, I started, you know, picking it up. Wow. And uh, I, um, I remember I wanted to get a Paul Stanley Iceman. And so went to the store with my mom and I don't know if it was the, the paint job or what, but like every Iceman that they had, you know, like there was like paint just like chipped off. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what the deal was, but, you know, the salesman was like, you know, it gives the guitar personality. And <laughs> there I, you I'm go. like, I want to give it my own personality. And, and believe me, my guitars now are all, <laughs> all messed up. But, <laughs> you know, that's my personality in them. So, so I decided to not get the Iceman and I got a Silver Burst Les Paul, which I still play to this day. And I'm glad I got it when I did because it's a uh, Les Paul custom and back then it was $600. If you get a Les Paul custom today, it's probably like three or four grand. Wow. So, so I, I definitely made the right decision. Yeah. Well, and you keep busy as a musician. How have you been surviving during all this like lockdown? Well, you know, lucky, luckily or unluckily for me, you know, I have a day job, which right. if people, uh, I guess, you know, Everybody on the Kiss Room knows what I do, but uh, maybe the listeners don't, but I work in a crematory, you know, and sometimes it can get hotter than hell. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, I, I don't have to worry about uh, making money playing music, although I, I love to make money playing music. And when my bands are gigging, you know, I do. But um yeah, so right now it's just been, uh, you know, recording songs for the Kiss Room, uh, recording music and making videos uh, with the launch. Uh, Revolution Radio has just kind of been in limbo. But, um, you know, hopefully soon everything will get back rolling. So we have a couple gigs with the launch coming up and hopefully it'll still be on. But you never know in these days. Right at the rate we're going with everything being canceled, it's it's really is crazy or postponed. That seems to be the word of the year. Everything's being postponed. But uh, you know, it's so thinking about that, I mean, obviously we're talking about gigs. When's the first time that you ever saw Kiss? It was I was in eighth grade and uh it must have been I think it was the Love Gun. It was either the Love Gun or Rock and Roll. Yeah, I think it was the Love Gun tour at the Spectrum. And uh it's funny, like the two bands that I've seen multiple times when I was young were uh, Kiss and Van Halen. You know, Van Halen was definitely my my next, you know, I started learning guitar uh, because of Kiss. But then once I heard any Van Halen, I'm like, you know, it got me really serious, mm -hmm. and, you know, to try to be the best guitar player I can be. But it's funny because all those years later, like, I, you know, I love Kiss. I listened to all their albums. And I never really learned them any of their tunes just because I figured, you know, a lot of them are just simple, you know. And, you know, I wanted to challenge myself. But later on, when I got into Rock and Roll Over and had to learn all those tunes, I'm like, you know what? They're really, you know, they're really cool. Ace of Solos are awesome. You know, he's definitely an underrated player. You know, everybody, people like Randy Rhodes, Eddie Van Halen, 
Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, but you know, I consider Ace probably in the top ten of the greats. You know, so and absolutely influential. I mean, he's got that style. And it's funny because you really have been able to pick up a lot of those licks, which is funny. I was talking to my brother the, the other day, and there was that one of the months where you were in there and you were playing that kind of bending, you know, ear, 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 and everybody was just kind of freaking out and it was because it sounded so spot on, and it was just so much fun. And I remember actually listening back to that, and we're all like, just play that part again. <laughs> and you're like, nee, 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 nee. it was great. Yeah, it's, it's been fun. Uh, the one thing I definitely miss um, – it, you know, it's been fun doing these recordings and it, it's, um, you know, something I haven't got the chance to do that much, but I definitely miss the spontaneity of the Kiss Room Live, you know, like flying by the seat of our pants and, and seeing if right. it's going to sound good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. And I think that it, it's something that I really am missing. Uh, one thing, I mean, obviously for anybody that has listened to the last couple episodes of the Kiss Room, the house band has been sending files back and forth, working on things remote. And it's really something that I've tried to get people to accept the challenge of writing a demo for the Kiss Room Demos Project Volume 6. And I think you have something for us. Yes. Well, it's funny because, you know, like I said, it's you're up to Volume 6. And, you know, for years you've been, uh, you know, kind of like hinting, like, when when's the Kiss Room uh, house band? Or, you know, when, when are you guys going to, you know throw a song in the pot you know <laughs> and uh it's funny i uh i don't know what i mean maybe it's i'm not that good with lyrics i i don't know i i think if i had if i was like if i was elton john and i i had a bernie tulpin you know i think i'd be like much more prolific but uh i you know i write write songs here and there and you know Sometimes I'm sure any songwriter will tell you, like, sometimes the words come first, sometimes the music comes first, sometimes they both come together, you know. And um, yeah, I was just like, if I don't have an idea, nothing will come out. But so finally, I had an idea. And uh, my idea was, you know, if Kiss, well, first of all, you know, uh, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody came. And now, you know, it seems like everybody wants uh, a biopic, you know. Elton John's came out. It was pretty good, but it definitely, uh, and it was a lot different than the Queen one. And I'm like, if any band deserves a biopic, because just like, you know, it's just like their record business back in the day. You know, they signed a White Snake. Now all the bands sound like White Snake. You know? <laughs> right. And uh, so, of course, uh, you know, biopic does good. Now we're going to get every. You know, but you, but you got to have a story, you know, and obviously Freddie, the whole AIDS thing, um, you know, it, you need some kind of something to, uh, I guess, gravitate to and, uh, and some kind of story. But, you know, the fact that, you know, Kiss is there's no band like Kiss, number one, uh, you know, you have Ace and Peter's substance abuse problems, you know, you have. Eric Carr's death, you know, you have, you have a lot of things you can build a story on. And, and the fact that they've been, you know, around for so long and have had the ups and downs, you know, I think they deserve a biopic. And so I wrote a song for the biopic soundtrack. Perfect. <laughs> because, you know, it's funny because 
uh, Detroit Rock City movie, you know, came out and they had a lot of cool, you know, bands from that era on it. And the last song was, um, a ba- you know, a new Kiss song and it was a ballad, uh, Nothing Can Keep Me From You. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of people were like, you know, what is this song, you know? And a lot of other people were like, oh, they ripped off uh, Aerosmith's uh, Armageddon uh, right. song, you know? Don't want to miss but, a thing. Yeah, right. So uh, anyway, the, uh, you know, the, the, the tour, you know, it's the end of the road tour. I've seen, you know, uh, posters or uh, T-shirts that says One Last Kiss. So, you know, those two uh, sayings get, got me thinking of a chorus, you know, and, and, and the, you know, part of the chorus is uh, One Last Kiss Before I Go. It's hard to say goodbye, but it's the end of the road. So, and, uh, you know, there's, you know, it's basically about, you know, all the years they've been together and everything they've been through. And now it's, you know, time for the final show. So I, I think it'd be perfect, you know, end, you know, end credits of a Kiss biopic should be my song. <laughs> there you go, right. So, but, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, after, you know, Jerry did such an awesome job with Anthony's Oliver Kiss song, I said, you know, I, I sent him a demo of just me playing acoustic and, uh, you know, singing the words and, uh, you know, the maestro uh, created a great track, and uh, I just laid down my vocals. All right, so so Fran, why don't you talk up your new song, part of the Kiss Room Demos Project Volume 6? All right, this is One Last Kiss on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. Well, I think for Kiss, we'll try to bring the, uh, the creation of Kiss, the fantasy, the superhero characters, into a place where they'll stand on their own. It won't necessarily be Peter Chris or, or Gene Simmons or Paul Stanley or Ace Fraley, but they'll be characters on their own that could last forever, 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 forever.
And we're back. That's Fran's new song, part of the Kiss Room Demos Project, Volume 6. Fantastic stuff. And I want to tell you, look, I'm saying this to everybody that's listening, anybody that's in the sound of my voice. We've been doing this for years. Kiss Room Demos Project. The fun part about it is the challenge is if Kiss wanted you to write a song, something like what we just heard from Fran, could you do it? 
This is your challenge. Everybody that posts covers of yourself playing Kiss or posts, you know, you playing along to a Kiss song or air guitaring in your bedroom, whatever it is, now's your chance. You can hook up with some of your friends that are musicians, write a song. The one thing to remember, it's not a competition. It's a celebration. It's like we're putting together an album. If Kiss said to you, you, can you write a song for Kiss? That's the, what the challenge and the deadline is I would love to play them all in December as part of the December issue of the Kiss Room. It will be our holiday edition, Christmas, Kissmas, everything is Kiss. So that's kind of your deadline, people. If you're listening, could you turn it around by maybe, you know, Thanksgiving? You know, think about that. Fran and I met at Thanksgiving. You got to have your song done by Thanksgiving. Everybody that's locked in. Hey, use your time wisely. Kiss Room House Band has used their time wisely and kept us rocking and rolling despite the fact of all these challenges. Fran, that sounded great. Thanks, thanks. Any last-minute words you want to share with your Kiss Army friends and Kiss Room House Band fans all over the planet? Well, uh, I just want to say, as Ozzy would say, I love you all! Uh, (laughs) Woo! Yeah. Um, I think... uh, you know, if there isn't a Kiss biopic, my song would still be a great song to use as a, you know, video compilation of all, you know, Kiss throughout the years. Slow motion video, putting tears in our eyes as we think about the end of the road in this time when we want nothing more than at least one more show. Imagine that, that feeling of, you know, all these years of being Kiss fans Fran, I really thank you for coming on and sharing your time with us. And I really appreciate everything that you've done for the Kiss Room, for me, Kiss Room House Band. It's uh, it, it's another great story of, look, it's somebody that I probably wouldn't have met except for we're all Kiss fans. And I, I, and that's not lost on me. Right. That's what, you know, the, the cool thing, you know, is obviously right now we can't see each other. But, you know, once a month we got to see each other. And, exactly. Uh, you know. I have a lot of friends on Facebook, you know, I've met through the kiss room, but it's cool that we can be both, you know? Absolutely. You know, and that's, I think as soon as we can ever get back into the studio, I don't know when that's going to be, but until then, you know, obviously I hope you're well and Marcy and the girls, I hope everybody's well and uh, we'll just keep going. Sounds good. You are listening to Monco radio where music and minds meet.
Kiss Army. Joining me now in the Kiss Room is Joe McGinnis. Kiss Room listeners will know that we first met Joe as a member of Classic 78, and now he's rocking Kiss covers with Quarantine. Joe, welcome to the Kiss Room. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. So look, I'm thrilled you can be here. And like I said, when I first connected you, it was because of your great work in Classic, alongside with super talented Tom Higgins. Can you talk about the project? And I, and I know there's some things going on. Tell us what you're allowed to talk about. Um, so let's just say we've had a lot of extra time during uh, this quarantine, uh, you know, that everyone's going through the craziness in the world. So there's been some things brewing. I, I can't really go into detail, but we'll see what you know comes of it. So whether it gets released, we'll see. It's really up to the fans. If the fans of Classic 78 want to hear more, then maybe we'll release it, you know? Well, we definitely want more. And I love the fact that it's kind of shrouded in mystery. That seems to be the perfect way for Classic 78 to go. Absolutely. Um, you know, thinking a lot, I mean, obviously – Anybody that has kind of followed you, your music background is all over the place. I mean, classic is straightforward, you know, classic is like straight ahead, kiss style rock. But you've also had success in country music and you, you've had hits, Blame It on the Weekend, Nothing Like the Radio. Where does your musical journey start? So my journey starts, you know, uh, generations, uh, you know, so my great grandparents, uh, great grandparents played music. Um, so I grew up watching my mother play in bands and my dad passed away when I was young, but he played in bands also. Um, but yeah, it was just all around. My older brothers played. So eventually I started my own band with my older brothers. We did a lot of kiss covers, a lot of 80s stuff, but uh, I kind of went back and experienced my roots with the country thing also, because that's, you know, primarily what my parents played. So I kind of dabbled in a little bit of both. And uh, that kind of brought me to where I am today where, you know, I find appreciation in all sorts of uh, musical musical genres, you know. So when you're young, obviously, it sounds like your family being musical got you into it. When did you pick up a guitar? I actually started on drums first, believe okay. it or not. Uh, my older brother had a drum set in his bedroom, and he did the whole older brother thing. Well, don't touch my drum set. Well, that just fuels the fire. So when he's gone, you want to play, it, you know. Um, so, yeah, I started playing drums when I was about maybe three years old, Um just kind of tinkering around with the drum kit, drum kit. And then I got a little bit more serious. I got my first guitar probably when I was about nine. I didn't take it as serious till I was about, you know, 11. Then I really kind of dove in. Actually, my schoolwork started to fail because I just wanted to play guitar all of the time. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to do homework. <laughs> so thinking back to that, what was your first guitar? My first guitar um, was a Harmony. Uh, my parents own a furniture and antique shop. Oh, my stepdad and my mom. So they brought this guitar in from a auction that they went to. And it was god-awful looking. The strings were, you know, uh, like five inches off the neck. That's an exaggeration, but they were high. <laughs> you know, and my older brother uh, and I sat down. I said, hey, teach me something. Uh, and he played Deuce by Kiss. And that's the very first song I learned to play on guitar. And so, yeah pretty crazy so i love the fact that there's a kiss reference right there at the beginning of you learning to play how do you when you join classic 78 you know what is your own history and then that brings you to that moment where you're really doing that spot on paul stanley voice but on original songs <laughs> yeah uh, well it's funny i always you know i grew up being probably more of a gene fan gene simmons you know just my brother had the solo albums hanging in 
you know, on his bedroom wall. And I was always kind of more into Gene's look. He just kind of, you know, the mystique and the, you know, the horror film style uh, image that he portrayed, you know, just kind of really made me kind of into that. So um, as I grew older, I kind of got into Paul's stuff. And, you know, after meeting Paul numerous times and just really kind of seeing his positive outlook on life and, and all those things just kind of, you know, get you, get you kind of under the artist's, um, you know, cloak of, you know, who they are. So, you know, when you learn about the person and how, uh, you know, intellectual or musical they, you know, they are and what they came from, it kind of inspires you to try something and uh, kind of get into that. So that's when I started kind of mimicking Paul and then it uh, kind of morphed into a call from Tom Higgins and he kind of gave me a proposition to, you know, why don't we, why don't we try to do something, you know, original. So, and that, that's where we are now. How did he find you? I mean, how did you guys connect? <laughs> Believe it. There's so much shrouded uh, mystery in classic 78. And that's one of them. I still <laughs> to this day do not know how we found, I put these random kiss covers on, on YouTube. I did uh, tonight. You belong to me. And, um, uh, you know, that I think that's the one that sold him. Uh, whereas he's like, you know, I wasn't really trying to sound like Paul in that demo, but kind of, sort of, you know. Um, but he kind of heard the potential there and said, well, he had been shopping around and he found me out through YouTube, but I don't, I don't know how he got my number. I don't know how he got my email. <laughs> so I really, I really don't know. He must have did some deep digging, so. That's some cosmic connection making right there. I mean, obviously, what you guys have created is fantastic. That whole idea, I mean, there's a lot of tribute bands, but the idea of coming out with something that's original, you know, that it just blows everybody away. I'm so impressed by it. And it was funny because, you know, obviously, Tom sent me those tracks when it was the early, early days of it. And we were, we had them in the Kiss Room demos project. And it was like really people were gravitating toward it right away. And, you know, so it was, it's fantastic to think that it will keep going as, you know, you said, what do the fans want to hear? I want to hear more. I think it's fantastic. Well, thanks. Thanks. So, yeah, we've been getting great positive feedback. So I don't see why we wouldn't release more. Um, so, you know, I guess we'll just give it time. We don't really have a set release date or any anything like that. But there's things being discussed. And, and uh, I bet there's some demos that are being done and writing on both ends. So we'll see. That's fantastic. Now, obviously, during the quarantine, you have also been busy with Quarantine, which is a Kiss cover band, obviously features Chris Jericho, PJ Farley from Trickster, Kent Slusher from Luke Bryan Band on drums, and yourself. And the first song was No, No, No. Now, tell us, how do you get involved in that mix? <laughs> so uh, Chris and I had a mutual friend, which was Kent. Um, I've been you know, friends with Kent for quite a while. And we do a lot of songwriting together. And I knew he was friends with a lot of the WWE guys. And I, I knew he kind of knew a lot of people, but you know, I just never in a million years thought it would kind of snowball into this. So um, mainly uh, what happened was this whole quarantine happened and Kent was pretty down about his touring situation because they play, play a lot of dates every year and they play some big venues like MetLife stadium and, and that's got to be addicting, you know, after a while you play and that's your job. So um, when you play with a large artist like Luke Bryan, you know, it's I'm sure you get pampered a little bit as well. Anyway, he uh, 
wasn't able to tour. So he was getting pretty down and I was trying to cheer him up. I'm like, and he's an ultimate, you know, kiss head like us. And he was like, man, I'm really upset about this. I said, why don't we do something to get our minds off it, keep it, uh, get our minds off this whole situation and kind of keep us busy, have a little bit of fun. So I'm like, let's, let's pick a song. Let's do something, you know, crazy fun, just for the two of us, you know? And originally he uh, said, why don't we do no, no, no. So, that's kind of what we ended up with. So we kind of laid down some basic tracks and Chris being a eighties kiss fan, uh, Kent sent it to him and said, Hey, check this out, you know, and Chris just jumps on board and says, Hey, do you need a singer? <laughs> and I'm like, wow, uh, let me think about that. You know? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we said, Chris, absolutely jump on board. And we said, uh, he said, do you need a bass player? I said, yeah, I was going to do it, but I'd rather have a professional bass player, you know. So that's where PJ Farley from Trickster came in. And and that's basically how everything started. And then Chris, you know, just said, I don't do anything small. I just kind of want to take this and put it to the forefront. I just don't want to have a couple YouTube videos. I want to release it. He you know, has a record company releasing it. And so he kind of went, you know, pedal to the metal with the whole thing and that's kind of cool. You know, I lucky enough to be part of that project as well as classic 78. You know, it's funny. I think Chris Jericho is in a lot of ways. I, I really feel happy that he is so successful because I, I feel like he's one of us. He's a kiss fan who has just done very well in his life between, you know, the hard work for wrestling and the, he's an author and he's got his own band. And I always just feel like that's like, it, it makes you proud. Like that somebody who in the kiss army can do so well as, as he has done. And uh, yeah, it, it really, the, the stuff that you did the videos, whoever edited those videos, kudos to them. So, and now a thrill for you had to be Bruce Kulick was super complimentary of your guitar work on no, no, no. And sure. that's gotta be a certain, a thrill. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Bruce has always kind of been, you know, technical wise and playing wise, I mean, this is kind of sacrilege for a lot of Kiss fans for me to say Bruce is my favorite <laughs> over Ace. But as a player, you know, I truly, you know, love Bruce's playing. and I love Bob Kulik's playing as well. Um, not to take anything away from Ace. But, uh, yeah, so for me, you know, I've, you know, Bruce has kind of befriended me over this whole thing, too. We chat almost on a daily basis. You know, just kind of guitar geek stuff. Well, he'll send me some stuff and I'll send him some stuff. You know, I've made some excellent friends, you know, kiss friends out of this, you know, Jericho. Um, you know, he's the real deal as well. They're all super nice, you know, successful people, but it's nice. You know, they treat me like one of them, which is super cool. That really is fantastic. And I mean, then from No, 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 you move on to Heart of Chrome, which now features the same group. And you're adding in Bruce Kulick as well to be playing on that song. I mean, again, the thrill of, you know, going from like just a fan and now you're recording with Bruce, Jericho, PJ and Ken. That's it's got to be amazing. Big time. You know, sometimes yeah, I want to say I was driving somewhere. And uh, I heard something on Sirius XM about us. And I just literally had to take it all in. And be like, <laughs> is this like a, some warped, you know, dream? You know, how is this happening right now? But, uh, 
you know, I, I just, I haven't woken up yet. So if it is a dream, <laughs> you know, it's a good one. Well, you're doing great. I mean, obviously one question that I had in the video for Heart of Chrome, if you look over Bruce's shoulder, I can see GarageBand in the back. What kind of gear are all of you using to make these like long distance recordings? That's a great question. You know, so I've been doing home recording all along and using remote studios. So I've been comfortable with it. Whereas Bruce, um, other than back in the Kiss days when he was using ADAP machines and things, he was kind of, oh my God, what do I do here? I want to do this project, but I haven't done any home recording in, in ages. So, uh, you know, I talked to Bruce over the phone. That was the first time we spoke was to kind of discuss, you know, recording techniques and, and, um, uh, you know, he kind of knew his way around basic recording. So I didn't really have to tell him anything other than, you know, certain techniques for uh, home recording. So anyway, but yeah, he's using GarageBand with a Focusrite uh, interface. PJ is using GarageBand as well. Uh, I think Kent is using Pro Tools. I think all the guys that he works with kind of use that. And I'm using uh, Sonar, which is uh, basically a comparable, comparable uh, software kind of like Pro Tools. So. It really is amazing in this age that everybody obviously being locked down, but able to work together. The fact that you guys are going all across the country, able to connect and create these things. It's fantastic. Even the music videos, like I said earlier, the music videos are just fantastic as far as like combining everybody and the, the latest one for Heart of Chrome where everybody's separate. You got Jericho cruising around in his car. I just, I was blown away by it. Yeah, I will say Jericho is a big driving force behind. He knows what he wants, he and he you know knows how to get it. So when it comes to like the video, he actually coached me, um, you know, through FaceTime and stuff like that. And uh, like, okay, he would send me. He actually sent me a video of autograph. Turn up the radio, <laughs> and he showed me the angles of the guitar solos and said, "Here, why don't you try to do this angle." Instead of just a you know a face, uh, two dimensional face on, why don't we try to get different angles? So um, that's kind of you know what he uh, contributed to the video. Um, you know he definitely knows what he wants, and you know it made the video that much more you know exciting to watch because of him. So that's fantastic. And then I one more question. I think. Uh you know, obviously you write your own music. What kind of things inspire you? What in inspires your songwriting? <laughs> it used to be a lot of kiss music which is kind of hard to pull off when you're doing country music you know <laughs> and I, so you know I, I for a long time i was hooked on like oh i want to kind of make a country version of kiss you know if that's possible but i, I realized you know i just I'm, i want to write what i want to write um you know sometimes you'll have something you know a lot of my stuff especially in the northeast like we have a lot of uh radio stations that are really good to me up here that you know, play my stuff, and they really like the radio-friendly uh, friendly stuff, like Blame It on the Weekend. So some of it is calculated. Some of it uh, from life experiences, things that, you know, you, you've went through, and it's kind of the only way to, you know, have an outlet for those things to kind of get out. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're getting it out, and thanks for sharing all your music with us. Joe, is there any last thoughts you want to share with the KISS Army listening all around the planet? Absolutely. Listen to the Kiss Room. This is the place to be. Matt Porter. 
Uh, <laughs> and, Joe, and don't really... forget. Oh yeah, and don't forget to check out the the quarantine videos if you haven't already. Joe, I really appreciate. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. This is fantastic. That is quarantine with a K. I think everybody has probably seen it in the Kiss Army. They're looking around. They're finding it. Um, you know, we're having a great time. I really do appreciate you coming on here. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thanks, Joe. And you're in the Kiss Room on Monaco Radio, where music and minds meet.
you're not allowed to smoke in the Kiss Room. Hi, everybody. It's Gene Simmons. You're listening to the Kiss Room on Montco Radio, but you knew that. You wanted the best, and you got it. The hottest man in the land, Matt Porter. One of the best, and you got it. It's the Kiss Room House Band. WSJF breaking news. After days of rioting and looting, yet another tragedy in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. A Montgomery County man was reportedly driving on the wrong side of Route 202 and struck the rear of an Amazon delivery truck and was catapulted through the windshield of his car. Identities of both men are being held by the police. County legislators today are preparing for new COVID testing centers to provide relief and roll out the weather. That's right, Kiss Army, you wanted the best. You got it. I am Matt Porter, and you are in the Kiss Room. Kiss Room House Band, I think we're still waiting on a drummer. He should be here any minute, but we're going to do some cool uh, some cool songs here in the Kiss Room. Having the best time. I'm going to fade out all of our cheering. Having the best time ever, that's right. <laughs> Top of the hour, i got to hit the reset. We're going to come back and talk some more. You're in the Kiss Room on Mako Radio, where music and mind beat.
I did the interview with Matt. He asked me to pick a song to lead us out. I picked Detroit Rock City. Well, then I realized, oh wait, we're doing that one. But you know what? You can't get enough of Detroit Rock City. It's got everything. Killer guitar solo, killer bass line, awesome storyline. In my opinion, it's the best Kiss song. Prove me wrong. Plus our version has the Matt Porter in the intro. Anyway, a theme emerged this month, really by accident. Our pal Tony Mann from New York wanted to sit in with us, and he chose Baby Driver. Jerry said, Fran used to sing an ace tune. How about Speed Him Back to My Baby? And one of the songs Steve chose to do from last month that we didn't get to was Cadillac Dreams. So all these songs have to do with driving. Which is appropriate because the day before this airs, my daughter Gianna turns 16. Happy birthday, Gianna. And she will be going to get her permit. So next up in our set, all the way from New York City, Tony Mann singing Baby Driver.
Next up is Cadillac Dreams. Gianna, you might have Cadillac Dreams, but for right now, you'll be driving a crappy 2008 Honda CRV. When I was 17, I found out just what it means. If you can get it free, you just ain't worth a damn. When I heard the preacher say, Gianna, if I could give you a word of advice, 
Don't drive like Ace. Next up is Take Me. You might ask yourself, what does Take Me have to do with driving? Well, listen to the second verse. Put your head in my pocket, travel to my rocket. 
amazing set from the kiss room house band guys i can't thank you enough for putting something cool together every month even during this crazy crazy time there's a lot of talented kiss fans out there i've been talking about it throughout the show if you can get your stuff in for the kiss room demos project i'm going to try and play everything in december it'll be our Christmas party in the meantime here's a cool cover from cc storm right here on mako radio where music and minds meet
Kiss Army, I am thrilled to welcome one of my lifelong Kiss Army brothers back to the Kiss Room. We have had many Kiss adventures together. This cat has nine lives, he do. <laughs> Bob Brodsky, welcome to the Kiss Room. Hey, it's good to be here. So now look, we could talk about so many Kiss memories, but I wanted to lead off with one from June 26th, 1990, which means that Kiss at the Spectrum on Hot in the Shade Tour is 30 years old now. Tell me what you remember about that night. Well, that was the first time that uh, I got to go backstage, and it was the first time that you got to go backstage, and uh, it was it was pretty intense. I, I never thought in my life I would ever even get to meet Kiss. You know, at that point, I've been a Kiss fan for about 12 or 13 years, and, uh, and then there we were. I mean, you know, um, backstage, meeting Eric Carr, Bruce Kulick and Gene and Paul, it was unbelievable. Now, it's funny because you posted that it was the first time where it felt like a community coming together. And then you said that that night was a touchstone of how we take KISS in, which I, I thought was a really incredible kind of a feeling being that 1990 is way ahead of like social media or MySpace or Facebook or any of that. What, what were you feeling about that? Well, because, okay, you know, that was my sixth time seeing Kiss. And the first five times I saw Kiss, like Dynasty Tour, Lick It Up, Animalize, Asylum, Crazy Nights, whoever I went with, even if there was, you know, 18,000 people, 3,000 people, whatever, 10,000 people, you're just there with the person you're with. My dad, my uncle, uh, my friend Felix, you know. and But that show, Hot in the Shade, not only did we get to go backstage and actually see the band and talk to the band, but... There was I knew so many people at that show, you know, and after that point, every show was like that forever. You know, and the next year was the first time I went to the Kiss conventions, and that became like every year for the next 15 years we were at a Kiss <laughs> convention, you know, and it just became this whole like like it was like that all the time. It was like because when we were backstage, I was there with two girls that I worked with um, and. I met Lon for the first time that night. Uh, your friend Frank, I met for the first time that night. You were there. Um, you know, there was all kinds of people all over the place that I that I knew. You know, it's funny is when you think about it. One of the things that that always comes to my mind was back then. Now we're talking 1990. I think that they really still appreciated like record store people. I know a lot of people were in there because they worked at record stores. I was in there because I was working for Frank Hagen's Kiss Mask, and which was a fanzine at the time. 
and they, you know, gave us the passes, which I think now I don't think, you know, I think because everybody's got a big platform, they don't really care about the fanzines anymore. Like podcasts like this are really fanzines, but you know, you'd never see this shared on kiss online. I mean, it's just like, you know, but if you look in the hot in the shade tour book, there's a list of fanzines that they thank the fanzines, which I think it's just such a different time, you know, but I mean, I remember absolutely the funny thing about that night was everybody being packed in that room and Eric Carr came out first and it was like, Oh my God, it's Eric Carr. And I think, you know, you never hear anybody say a bad word about Eric Carr. And actually, we started off the show today, you know, celebrating his birthday, which which would be coming up. And he was so nice. And the funny thing is with Eric, he walked around and really talked to everybody, every fan. And he was the one, like when he got around, he personalized, he says, what's your name? I want to personalize your autograph. Made a point of kind of looking you right in the eye and, and wanting to have that quick connection. And I thought his, his personality really came out. And then the next one I got was Bruce, which Bruce came walking around again, super nice, you know, happy to see everybody. And then, so this was really the first time that I had ever met Paul Stanley. And he comes walking around and he's every bit as larger than life as you would want. And the thing that I always remember, of course, and you know how this is and we'll laugh is, you know, you, you try and spout out something that makes you sound like a human being, you know, and, and the funny thing was that I remember saying to him, you know, oh, I do this artwork for a thing called Kiss Mask. And without even missing a beat, he says, yeah, I saw that today. That, that's the one with, and he kind of described back what could have been the cover. And I don't know whether he was just guessing that that's what it probably looked like, but he really was like made, he knows how to make you for that 30 seconds feel like that you really matter. And it, it just, I don't know, it really made me laugh. And then the funny thing was, so then two seconds later, somebody bumps up into my back and I turn around and now I'm literally nose to chest with Gene Simmons. And he just kind of looks at me like, hey, what's up? But it was like he bumped right into me. It was hysterical. And I did manage to get autographs from everybody that night. And I, I can feel like what you're saying, that the energy in there was off the charts. It was because, yeah, and I, I, did, I got my passes through. I worked at the record store at Wall to Wall Sound Listening Booth. That's an ancient <laughs> record store long gone. And, uh, and yeah, that's how we got in. Every, that's why I was there with the two girls I worked with. It was all, uh, you know, uh, through the record store. And like you say, Eric Carr came through that door first. And um, I think you were on the other end of the room. I, I could have been. Yeah, I was on one end with, with the people that I worked with, and you were on the other end, and Eric Carr came in. And you're right, he was super nice and super friendly. And uh, and then I, and then Bruce. But I also, did you see, you know, uh, Bill Coyne was hanging around that night. See, I didn't see him. You know, it's funny, I didn't see him that night. And it was, I mean, it's funny, because I remember the room being packed. Yes, it was packed. It was packed. They had to make a line. They had to make a path down the middle, and there was people on each side. It was so packed. And I remember we were standing there waiting, and uh, I saw Bill Coin come in the room in this suit, and he and you know he looked different than the last time I had seen him in any pictures, you know, and because he looked older. And I was 
started talking to these two guys next to me that were complete strangers. And I said, is that Bill of Coin? I think that's Bill of Coin. And I <laughs> tapped him on the shoulder and, and I said, and I asked him if he was Bill of Coin. And he said, yes. And I said, oh, I said, I've been a Kiss fan since 1978. And he thought oh, that was a good year. And he said, <laughs> he, he said, nice meeting you. And then um, when Bruce Kulick was coming down, I remember um, Bill saying to Bruce, he said, uh, he said, oh, Gene and Paul are coming. They're down there. And he says, I don't want to see them. He goes, where's Eric at? You know, he said, I've seen enough of those two. Something <laughs> like that. Like he'd seen enough of Gene and Paul. He was looking for Eric. Yeah, no, that, that was pretty cool. And like you say, Bruce was really nice. And But I didn't actually get Gene's autograph that night. And I didn't even really get to talk to him. I don't know if I should tell this story on the radio. But there were these two girls that were cute next to us and when gene came in the room and signed a couple autographs so the first thing well the first thing he really did was look at these two girls and he was just like okay yeah and then they pulled these two cute girls out of the room i don't know whatever happened to them but then they were like on one side of me and after gene kind of was like oh yeah or whatever he said and they the girls were pulled out he sort of started signing autographs on the other side of me. He was originally to my left. And then he and we, me and, and all the people around us were going, Gene, Gene. And he just went down the line and started signing autographs. But it was still pretty striking to see Gene. Like he was literally a foot away from me, you know, for like a minute and a half or whatever. And you're just like, that's Gene Simmons. I, I couldn't believe it. And back then, that was when I, th I think they felt still kind of untouchable. Like that idea of being in the room with them now, I mean, you figure, you know, you can get the meet and greet, you pay a fortune, you know, and, and there they are and you walk through. But at that point, I think it felt even kind of more special because you were just there. It wasn't, you know, shilling out a, a, a boatload of cash. You know, you just got to be in there. And it was like this exciting kind of whirlwind. And there was no, it wasn't like it is now where it's super structured and you walk through one at a time oh hello how are you fist bump fist bump fist bump it felt like you know almost chaos but like you know a fun kind of chaos right right because it was a frenzy in there right and you really kind of didn't like you had to kind of really just wait your turn and and hope for the best and and it's funny because then i'm thinking of a very similar thing when they came back around for revenge being backstage at revenge and never even getting close to gene and paul because the room was so chaotic and and almost like you know people pushing and shoving to the point where they were like well like if you can't kind of calm down we're leaving and i don't never even got close to gene and paul and revenge the revenge backstage i never even saw them i mean and you know uh at that you know um at that meet and greet two years later because because like you said there wasn't as many people it was that same room which was weird to be back in that room two <laughs> right. years later and, <laughs> and thinking we're doing this again like you know you thought i thought that was a once in a lifetime thing but um there was less people but there was also less organization they didn't come through and say okay everybody some people stand to one side and other people stand to another side now they just they just like when Eric came in, there was a little Eric Singer, a little bit of a frenzy. And then Bruce came in and that got pretty crazy. And then at that door down at the uh, one end, I heard that Gene was at the door, but everyone just piled the door like like nutcases. And then <laughs> it just stopped. And then they, they said, oh, Gene's not coming because everybody was pushing and shoving. And yeah. I was like, oh, oh, wow. I guess we're not going to get to see Gene and Paul. 
two different experiences for sure. Uh, I mean, even thinking about that night, I mean, obviously, I think that show, I mean, they were like leading off with I Stole Your Love and Deuce and right into Heavens on Fire. I mean, the set list is really a fun set list as far as, you know, what they were doing at the time on Hot in the Shade. And I'll say to anybody, I mean, it's funny, people rip on when the logo came up from behind the stage during I Want You. You get people, oh, well, it looks crappy and the K isn't right. And I don't think there was a more fun moment than when that thing came rising up from behind the stage. I remember freaking out. And I mean, 30 years later, people love to rip on it. And, oh, it looks so crappy in hindsight. And you'll go, yeah, but not in 1990, right? (laughs) But one more thing about backstage. Do you remember? Okay, so after the whole band came through and we saw them all, and then people start to leave out each one of those doors, um, I started to go towards the middle of the, the room. And as I'm going that way, I see you coming the other way. And we just high five. I remember that. We didn't say anything. We just looked at each other and did a high five because there was nothing to say. It was all in the high five. (laughs) That was the coolest thing ever. You didn't have to say anything. You know, you were on one end and I was on the other, but we experienced the same thing. And when we came together in the middle of the room, we just high fived. And it was like, okay, we got to go to our seats so we don't (laughs) miss the show. You know, and it's funny, I think really one of the things that I would definitely say was you have the best picture because you're wearing your tears are falling robe, which you made yourself, right? Yeah, my mom did most of the work. I was more the designer, like do it like this and do it like that. (laughs) Shout out to your mom because that rules. And I remember that you had that, that tour, like that costume that you made, you wore it at the lip sync battle at Bucks County Community College, and it was awesome. But now the funny thing is the um, – Well, there is a story. When I had them sign that homemade um, it's the asylum uh, tour jacket that I made, but when I said to Paul, I said, oh, this is my tears are falling robe, he, he just looked at it. And he goes, oh, I thought it looked familiar, but he, <laughs> I don't think he really meant that. I think he was just like, oh, it looks terrible in his mind. He just looked at me and he goes, he goes, oh, yeah, I thought it looked familiar. <laughs> and he just signed it. But he did. He The autograph on the sleeve of that is perfect. <laughs> He's so good. at Because I could not sign my signature, you know, the way that I do or on somebody's arm and make it look the way it looks on the bottom of a check or whatever. You know what I mean? But he, he did a perfect autograph for me on that. Well, and that, that picture really captures, I mean, he, he has such a cool look on his face and you have the happiest look on your face with the thumbs up and, and he's signing that. See, that's, I've always called it the tears are falling robe. I think it's great. And it's just like, uh, you know, it's one of those things. I think that's, it's just one of those fun things that you think about, you know, making something like that and having that kind of experience. I mean, that's really what it's always been about. You know, and it's funny because you shared with me the other the other night a video from what do you think it was the the Bucks kind of the second lips lip sync contest. What do you think? That's probably about ninety. Is it 88, 89? 88. 88. And the funny thing is, this is something that I've always really admired was you hit that stage first of all, like you're at Madison Square Garden, not the like the multi-purpose room at Bucks, but second of all, with such just joy and your energy and at one point you go leaping off the stage and I've always kind of thought Paul Stanley has really always been your spirit animal you know and you have the official tattoo for real like the rose on your arm 
when you think about the kind of energy that Paul Stanley has brought to your life, how can you sum that up? Oh my God, I don't even know. It's just, he's, you know, because actually when I first got into Kiss in 78, it was all Gene Simmons, you know, the blood and the fire and everything, you know. But by the time they, I guess we around when they took the makeup off and I saw him on the Lick It Up tour, you walked out of there and Paul was the whole show. You know, and then it sort of switched. But a lot of people go through that. A lot of people started when they were little kids as Gene. And then in the 80s, they end up going, no, actually, Paul is the coolest one. And it just, you know, he, he was just the leader of the band. And who doesn't want to be the leader of the band? <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. Well, you know, it's funny because the uh, like you have it's kind of a, in the makeup. It's more of a creatures era. You know, you have the kind of the creatures era, Paul. But you're flying around the stage like, you know, and that was, you know, you said to me, if I try to do that now, I'd be in the hospital. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 I, I probably would. I mean, between between back pain and uh, different things that, that, that are going wrong <laughs> as I'm, you know, 51, not 20. Uh, I, if I tried to dance like that now, you know, who knows what would even happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great the uh so yeah i mean thinking about that i mean obviously since that show that we were at in 1990 we've had all kind of kiss adventures uh which we could talk forever but the uh you know even i started off by by saying this that this cat has nine lives he do because when you think about that i always think about going to that guitar show we were singing that on the way up and with yeah. keith pankowitz and just laughing what are some of the other like? What are some of the other memories that come to your mind just right off the top of your head? Well, um, oh my God, you and me together. Well, there's that guitar show was an incre <laughs> incredible day. Uh, the guitar it was like a guitar convention, and Paul and Ace w were appearing there. And um, that that was that. There was no organization or line when we got there. And uh, you told the guy right, <laughs> that ran the, the washburn table that, that he better form a line or this is going to be, you know, crazy. And they were looking at us like we were nuts. Like, like why? Paul's not going to be here for, for an hour and a half. Why are you standing at this table? They had no idea who they, they got there because once they did finally organize the line, it went around that whole venue out onto the street and like around the corner. You know, it's, I think about that a lot was that one was that guy was so rude to me. He's like, I said to that guy who was running it, you know, we're all KISS fans. We all know what's going on. And if you make a line, we'll wait in the line. But if you don't make a line, and I remember saying to him, if he comes out and there's no line, all these people are going to trample your table into toothpicks. And he looks at me like, I'm crazy. But then, yeah, 20 minutes later, here come those velvet ropey things. And now the line, you know, goes all along the side of the building. And like you said, out the front door. And I'll never forget, he kind of came up to me after a while. And he's looking at me, he says, so you've done this before. And everybody's kind of laughing like, well, yeah, we all know how it works. We have. We have. I mean, we also waited in 2001 to get our box sets or whatever signed, <laughs> that that whole story. I mean, that that line was limited. To, they only sold so many box sets and you could go in and get Gene and Paul's autograph. And that was still a crazy line um, that we waited all day for that. And then, um, oh, what else? 2009, we were backstage in Philly. Um, there was Peter Chris at that um, All Things at Rock Expo. That was right. That all came. That together was fun. Yeah. You ju you just showed up at the you know <laughs> and got in line with me and Felix at the last second. That was a good one. 
Um, then there was that couple of years ago when we saw Ace Frehley and uh, Ardmore uh, PA. Uh, that was a right. good show, too. That was a I, what I remember. I remember that because um, you were sitting, you were, you ended up hanging out with uh, Fran and some other people a few rows uh, up from me where those seats were, and I had your earplugs, so I, I ran up there and gave them to you and went back to where I was sitting with Felix and those two guys sitting in front of us. They're like, "You guys know Matt Porter." <laughs> <laughs> Was great. <laughs> oh my god. You know, oh. <laughs> that was one of the coolest things ever. So like, yes. Yeah, we yeah. know that porter. <laughs> oh my god. That's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, like, you know, even things like, you know, when we went to that New York, the New York Expo where Peter Chris was the guest, oh. you know, how much fun that was. And and it's funny, like in a in a way like when you talk about it like from 1990 till now like you figure that's just a couple summers ago was now you kind of have the ability to really kind of be connected with everybody because you see people from all over the planet who you know only from facebook or you know like in a way i've been lucky enough to meet a lot of people via doing the kiss room and it's just people that you know by their profile and that was now we've really kind of come to that whole circle where you know instead of just feeling like it's a community now you know half of everybody from a profile picture that they took at the exact right angle so i know they're just I know. so perfect and there they are and it's just uh you know, it really is amazing. And that was a really fun weekend. I mean, we, you know, we got to go on the tour of New York City with Peter Chris. And that ended up, that's a whole other story because it started out as seeming like a real kind of mess and then ended up being really fun. Yeah, well, that, that was good. And actually, you know, that uh, the Saturday, the day before the bus tour, I, when I talked to Bruce Kulik, we actually talked about the hot in the shade backstage and the revenge backstage. He was, he, he was curious. He said, oh, well, uh, at that time, how did you obtain a backstage pass? And I reminded him that, you know, I said I worked at a record store and the, that the reps that came in and, and gave you the promotional material that they, they could hook you up with a backstage pass sometimes and sometimes tickets. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because it's so changed 30 years later. That, uh, I think he forgot that back in, you know, back in the olden times. You know, right. it, was, it was a whole different system of how people got backstage. You know, and but we actually talked about it that day, you know, because I hadn't met him again since the Revenge tour, you know, and uh, and and he played that acoustic set, which I didn't even know was coming. I remember we sat in those chairs. I just wanted to chill out for a few minutes. And then we found out Bruce was going to come up with an acoustic guitar and play in like 20 minutes. I was like, well, let's stay here. And that ended up being a great little, you know, 40 minute show that he put on. And the bus tour was, you know, one of my favorite Kiss memories ever. You know, even though it did start off a little rocky. <laughs> yeah, I think the rocky is a good a good way to describe that idea. Like, if you can fit a hundred people on a bus, should you sell one hundred and fifty tickets? <laughs> no. Oh my god! And they they could have turned the air on inside the bus a little bit before we got on the bus. <laughs> It was like a sauna in there when we got on the bus too, but we were lucky to get on the bus. So you know, and uh, no, that was fun because we got to go. The best part of that was probably uh, going into Electric Lady Studios. You know what? Going into Electric Lady and being in that room with Peter, Chris, and with all those other crazy Kiss fans—that was incredible. You know, because when you think about the history of a place like that and how many feet have gone through there. And then we were right there with Peter Chris. That was really amazing. 
you know, and really to be on that dress to kill corner, you know, like with Peter. And it was just like, and I had been there once before, like you kind of know what to expect. But then when we got there and I'm thinking, are they really going to unload everybody onto the corner? And sure enough, they did. Yeah. And we fit I because I had been there once before as well. Felix and I went when uh, when we were up in New York, uh, like a year before that, we went on a on a trip and uh, we said, oh, well, let's take the subway and go down and find this corner. And we did. And it was kind of fun to just be there. Uh, you know, with one of your friends and take some pictures. And, and we had that the first time I had gone to that corner, we actually ate at that barbecue restaurant that's right behind <laughs> on the other side of the street behind the behind the uh, traffic light pole that you lean on. And so I'd been there before as well. And but when you're walking around that same spot and you sort of get the dress to kill vibe and then you turn around, and, oh, there's Peter Chris. Right. <laughs> no, that is crazy that we even got to do that. And then singing Beth in front of Madison Square Garden unbelievable that was such a blast did you get a chance to see the clip that just surfaced of peter singing don't let me down yeah i saw it last night i saw it last night i think that is the best thing i've seen because you know he looks good sounds good there's just that joy is still there when he's singing i just you know i really i was thrilled to see that i i, I hope he keeps posting more of that kind of thing i know because this whole uh, pandemic is really starting to work my last nerve and you've worked through the whole thing. You're one of yeah. these workers that has not had time off to sit and, you know, kind of get all wound up. You're going to work every night. Yeah, I know. I'm in the direct mail business and some of our clients are, are essential. So they have things that need that their customers need to get in the mail. So we have to be in the warehouse uh, putting putting uh, mail together, a bulk mail. And so, yeah, I got to go to work with a mask on all day. And now it's getting hot and wearing that mask in that hot warehouse is not fun. But uh, I mean, on the one hand, it is, it, it, it's good that I have something to do. I'm not just sitting here watching TV and, uh, you know, hearing about <laughs> how terrible the whole world is. I'm at work 40, sometimes 60 hours a week, you know. And oh. uh, so, so that's good in a, in, in a way. Yeah. But I've been working through the whole thing. And then but there's nothing. When you get out of work or, or you're off for the weekend or whatever, there's there's nowhere to go. There's no shows to go to. You can't go to the movies. You can't go out to eat. You know, there's no sort of like um, none of those fun things that sort of, uh, you know, uh, let that you can let loose. Doing. Right. They're gone. They're gone. You just like, you just sit down and wait to go back to work. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it. You know, obviously they had announced what the final show would be sometime in July, you know, 2021. Do you think with everything crazy going on in the world that we are going to get one big last kiss show? Or do you think that maybe they're done? Uh, I, you know, I would love to get one big last kiss show. And um, that original date was great for me because, you know, I have that crazy work schedule. Sometimes I can't get off certain days. We have like blackout days. And that was perfect. I could have taken a whole week off for the last show ever, you know, and been up in New York and hung out and everything. But uh, I don't know. I, I'm starting to get nervous. We When, when are we going to go see anybody play live, let alone kids? Right. You know? Right. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It depends on how long this goes on. You know, if it's just, you know, sometimes you read things that say this could go on for a couple of years and then other th people act like next summer it'll be gone. I think I think if it's gone next summer, we might see some more dates and then a big final date. But if it goes on any longer than that, if it's two or three years, I think we're done. Uh, which I was lucky. I got to see them in February when they came to Allentown, kind of about, you know, about a month before everything kind of went crazy. 
And uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy. Like, you know, even the like you said earlier, the Kiss Expos, things like that. Like, when are we going to have Kiss Expos again? When are we going to have concerts again? It really I think, you know, we've had so many good years, great years of fun stuff. And you kind of hate to think that maybe, you know, we might not see the kind of things we used to really. I know. I know. Is every every other type of event like uh, the Chiller Theater Expo was canceled, you know, and uh, then that other event I've been going to the Mid Atlantic Nostalgia Convention in Baltimore, they just canceled that the other day, you know, uh. for September, and you know, I had a hotel booked in Baltimore and everything, and it's all, you know, maybe next year, you know, uh, so crazy. I know. Well, luckily. We can still meet here in the Kiss Room every, you know, once a month on a Friday. The uh, So really, let's wrap it up because we're out of time. But um, give me any one last thing you want to say to your Kiss Army friends listening around the planet. Well, I just hope I get to see all my, my good Kiss Army friends uh, like you, Matt, and some of the other friends I've met over the years. Um, and hopefully we'll get to see each other again soon. Well, Bob, thanks for joining me. Always a great time to talk to you. And you're in the Kiss Room on Mako Radio, where music and minds meet.
Kiss Army, thank you for joining me for the July issue of The Kiss Room, but we are out of time. The party doesn't have to end. Just listen to the show again and share it with all of your Kiss Room friends. I want to thank Fran Galanti and Jerry Lee Watkins for creating their amazing song for The Kiss Room Demos Project Volume 6. Thank you to The Kiss Room House Band for another amazing set. Thank you to Joe McGinnis for sharing his time to talk about Classic 78 and Quarantine. You can get those songs on all the streaming platforms. Thanks to CC Storm for letting us share his cover of X-Ray Eyes. He's got a new album coming out. We'll talk more about that in later months. Thank you to my lifelong friend Bob Brodsky for sharing so many great KISS memories. And thanks to you for listening. The KISS Room will be back in August. Stay healthy, stay safe. And stay tuned into Monco Radio. I will see you next time in the Kiss Room. You have been one hell of an audience tonight. Why don't you give yourselves a round of applause? I tell you something. You know, a lot of bands like to brag about their fans. Now, naturally, You better believe we brag about you, but we want you to know something. We want you to know, we know that you are our fans, but don't you ever forget, we are your fans, we love you! Thank you for listening to The Kiss Room. Stay tuned to Montco Radio. last minute crazy things you want to say to conform with expectations no but i will say something to anybody out there that's you know the weird guy or the weird girl that always has the weird things that they do that their friends put them down for don't think it's so weird maybe someday somebody lets you give you the chance to make a living out of it you just stick to it you'd be weird <laughs> <laughs>